Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. Like, I know what you're here for. I know what they pay me to talk about. Sports. Hardcore sports. Good smack. So with that in mind, Smack Off 28 is in less than 24 hours. I got to say, the field looks amazing. The field looks amazing. And I'm going to say the field, part of the reason I'm so hyped is because the field is so hyped. This is going to be our 28th annual Smack Off. I'm going to be straight up with you. There have been a couple of years where I thought, yeah, I wonder. I wonder if it's going to live up to the hype. I feel great about this year. I don't have any of that this year. I'm hyped because the field is hyped and it's as competitive as it's ever been. So let me take one last opportunity to reset the field for you. But first, let me introduce you to everybody in one single shot by way of Alvi's legendary promo. Alvi, for the last time, before Smack Off 28 hits, let that epic promo rip. If everyone's strategy on how to win one of these things involves copying the dude who won the year before, then I just want to say I look forward to the triumphant return of crank jokes in Smack Off 28. Smack Off 28. Smack Jim Rich Flores' Twitter handle, at Dick Flowers. I just find that really interesting since I gave both of those things to Brad and Corona's wife. This is the jungle national holiday. We wait all year for it. If my wife were into stupid, floppy-eared things with bad breath and a retractable penis, I'd hook her up with with Paul's dog. Rebuttals in a can. Oh, I bite his ass off. Every day of the week. Did that dog call in on her own, or did Rick and Buffalo just hand his phone to his prettiest daughter? Smack off number 28, Friday, June 24th. I'm going to go to the phones, and we are going to unleash hell. H-E double hockey sticks. Bring a Bible and a seatbelt. Jeff in Richmond. For 27 smack-offs. I can't stand any of these guys. And for being a very best friend, Jim. Rick in Buffalo. Jeff's so fat, he makes Andy Reid look like Karen Carpenter. Now stay down, hillbilly boy, before I slap all that red off that big fat neck. Vic. I feel like you're some kind of hard-ass Rick. I could super glue you to the front of my car and turn you into a hood ornament. Except your big-ass nose would block my view of the road. Caleb. And Vic, his take on me was that I'm well-mannered and sober. Dude, after I win the 5K, you can go get your shine box burning bro we're not doing that this year burning dude what did i tell you you had your chance already and you blew it mark in boston how do you think caleb's gonna perform today this guy gets less action than rome's bocce court you know i think we really need to get this guy a pass he lives in michigan it takes 30 minutes to thaw out your card mark in hollywood that is- so, Wisco man, his idea of a dating app is going to a cow field and tipping over one cow left if he doesn't like her, one cow right if he does. Urgh, Captain Mark. Try for pastries out here, cuz. I just ripped your crown, fat Adam Silver. Left. Mark, the only thing fat about me is my wallet from winning this thing so many times, right? I mean, did I miss the memo that it was opposite day or something? But if so, you're really handsome, have a totally normal hairline, and teeth that are proportionate to the size of your head. Benny in Wisco. Last time Sean went to a grocery store, three expectant mothers saw him and offered up their special parking spot. The Cablin Asian. Sean, what's going on? How are you? Uh, fat, evidently, Jim. That's what I am. Jeff in Southfield. Sean, I never knew the Michelin Man had a twin brother sean you're what happens when tina yothers loses her hair jeff good job googling bald and fat jokes jeff you're as useful as a knitted condom brad in corona if you ever get a follow from sean pendergast he's probably more interested in your kidneys than your friendship at this point chris in southeastern wisco the scoreboard reads me 30 rack calls you won it's a Dynasty clone. I've got a stack of golden tickets. Got to play your way in. Looks like snacks. Eight. Randrew Bogish. Are we not going to have me, the chicken man, on a self-gloss reel because of some technicality? What kind of bleep is that? <laughs> Jimmy, my man. I just can't wait to start smacking off. Come on. Yeah. What? My name. It's winner take all. Five grand and the crown of king of smack. Got no points for second place. Okay, Jim. That's all I got. 
Yeah, right. I'm just getting warmed up. Romy, I don't need to be the main event on this card. I just need five rounds to give the people, the ladies, what they want. And I promise you, your rubber band will thank you. Ben Simmons wearing a shooting sleeve thinks you need to settle the hell down. Tell me Let's what you find think out. I'm that. about to blow this Jim, bag. Jim, 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 how's double, my double, 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 double audio, audio, audio? Clean it up. The smack off is invitation only. It is for the very best of the best. I'm the best there ever was and the best there ever will be. I kind of agree with them. You know, if you take away Sean's five titles, Doc Mike and I have Brady two, JT the Brick, Jeff the Cole, Jeff the Richmond, Vic Marshall. Jim, I Ray Craig's apartment is such a dirty mess that his Roomba ran away. Dan and DC, JT, Bowie, Raider Mike, Kerwin, Randall, David St. Louis, Rachel, Sarah, Shade, Danica, Susie, Flash and Brent with Jerome and Nashville, Toby and Houston, Carlin, Rosie. Huge version of the Tyco train set I got when I was 10 for Christmas comes rumbling out of nowhere. Come on. The Grump, the Grouse, the Axe, the Bowling Ball, Mike Mandazuki, the Ray Ray Mack, Cleveland, Jolene, Ben Mack, and Caleb in Green Bay, then yeah, Mike, you are the best that ever was. You should be proud of that. Friday, June 24. Fourth, invite only, winner take all. Rattling off these people makes me wish I had ten middle fingers. Double side, bitch. You ain't nothing but a hound dog. Oh! No tipping, tipping. Screw all of you equally and super hard. Have any fun yet? Smack off, 28, June 24th. You've got your date. Go get paid. Are you not entertained? So much talent. Are you not jacked up? Are you not ready to plow through a concrete wall and then chew on the rubble? The field is set. The favorite is obvious. He is the only six-time champ. He is your defending champ. He is the GOAT. He is the gold standard. He is Brad in Corona. Now, the OG GOAT can still chase him down tomorrow. Shawnee, the Cowboy Asian, holder of five straps. He's got three top tens in a row since rolling back into the main event at SmackOff 25. He took third last year, and believe me, he will be a factor once again because he's always a factor when he calls on the big day and jumps on that big stage. Speaking of SmackOff 27... Last year, Vic and NoCal may have been the biggest surprise of all. He ripped a silver for his best main event finish since he took the whole thing down back in 2010. I'm telling you, this dude wants his second strap. He wants it badly. He's coming in here tomorrow. He's coming in tomorrow to bleep people up. You know that about that guy. And on the topic of bleeping people up, there is the Laguna Beach Bully. Left in Laguna. He owns the second best odds. Well, according to Stucknut, they are unofficial odds. He was your champ in 2020. He's looking to bounce back from a, you know, for him, shocking sixth place finish last year. You hit the top six if you're most anybody else. It's good. It's great. For him, pretty shocking. So look out for Left. He will be dangerous. He will be looking for that big bounce back. Some guy that you will not have to look out for. Rick in Buffalo, you know that his call is going to get your attention. A lot of hype for Rick this year. A lot of clones believe that this is going to be the year that the RIB, the RIB rips the first strap. Also, a lot of you are here for nostalgic reasons, so you're on Jeff from Richmond tomorrow. He's calling in to mark the 20-year anniversary of his win at SmackOff 8 back in 02. 20 years. Can you imagine if that guy could somehow reinvent? If that guy could somehow pull it off and win straps 20 years apart? Would be arguably the best story ever. He's calling into the main event for only the second time since 2011. This is what I mean when I say the anticipation is through the freaking roof right now, there are so many more names to watch. This is why I feel so good about it. Because of the depth, because of the talent, because of the quality, because of how many guys can win this thing. Can Caleb in Green Bay translate that talent and consistency into his best shot on the biggest day with no snafus and win that first drop? I'll tell you who's got some mo coming in. Mark in Hollywood. Is he going to hit the podium for the first time in eight years? In fact, I can't believe it's been eight years since he's hit the podium. Or either Mark in Boston. Mark in Boston is another guy who's playing his best ball when it matters most. Is Mark in Boston or Benny and Wisco going to take that big leap that we all know they're both capable of? Or, or, well, the weirdest thing ever, will a dog legitimately contend for the crown.
Even bigger question, will Mike in Indy show up? Mike, the hell are you at? Where are you, Mike? I will even end that sentence in a preposition. The hell are you at? Where are you at, Mike? I don't know. I literally have no idea if he'll show or not tomorrow. I wonder if there'll be a surprise appearance from any other icon tomorrow. Will a dark horse come running late and shock the world? You're just going to have to tune in tomorrow and find out with the rest of us. Because tomorrow, the time for all the questions ends. And in just over 24 hours, it will be time to crown a new king of smack. Let's bleeping go. Let's do this. And most of all, who you got? Who you got? Who are you taking? Who do you like? A little bit later on, I've got some Smack Off Eve reminders and instructions, but I want to reset the field for you at the very top. And now a message from Discover About Rewards. If you are a loyal credit card customer, you should be rewarded for your loyalty, preferably with something that's useful, like Cashback Match, for instance. Discover matches all the cash back that you've earned at the end of your first year. Finally, rewards that make sense. Discover exceptionally common sense. Learn more at discover.com slash match. Limitations do apply. Matt Norlander is my guest. Matt, good to have you back. How are you? Um, I'm doing well, yes. That Guster thing still is planned for August. Uh, Ben still assures me that's going to happen. And I'm happy and thrilled to be joining you and get you that much closer to tomorrow's smack-off. I know your audience is champing at the bit and uh, and eager to to move this thing along, so I'm happy to be here. Nice to have you here. We're all fired up for it. But you got the NBA draft, and you've been covering the draft for more than a decade right now. Matt, can you remember a time when there were three candidates who could go number one, who was closely packed together as Paulo Bancaro, Jabari Smith, and Chet Holmgren? Nope. I believe that uh, the discussion and at least the debate over the validity of each of those guys to be the number one prospect is as intense as we've ever had uh, for a draft. I'm talking with three specific players. Some people have, have said it's really Chet versus Jabari. I maintain Paulo Bancaro will be the rookie of the year no matter where he's drafted and will wind up having the best NBA career of any player in this draft. But it has been... Uh, a really fun thing, not just leading up to the draft, Jim, but I go back to November when Gonzaga played Duke and Chet went against Paulo Bancaro in that setting. And at that time, Jabari Smith, you know, at the start of the college season, he was seen as an NBA pick. And then with the quickness, he started to become a guy that was thought to be, all right, potential first-round material. And I'm going to give Archie Miller, who's now the head coach at Rhode Island, props. He was the very first person who ever, who I ever heard say Jabari Smith should be the number one pick in the NBA draft. And he did this long before anyone was really talking about it. And in a few hours here, uh, it looks like Archie Miller might have been uh, the soothsayer among all of them because that it appears, although there's been some wild um, betting market movement, it appears, and talking to a few people at the NBA level, the expectation still is that Orlando will take Jabari at number one. Matt Norlander is joining us. The betting movement has been wild. I agree. I've been watching this. It's amazing to see the way this has been going. So what about Smith? If he goes number one, you have him number two in your mock draft. For people who did not get the chance to see him at Auburn, how would you describe his game? Jabari Smith, is uh, he is super smooth, polished, yet there is some rawness to his game, but he has the reason why he's probably going to go number one and the reason why a lot of people grade him as the best prospect in the draft is because of his combination of height. He's 6'10". He's a 6'10 guy who took 187 three-pointers at Auburn last season and made 42% of them. Like, very, very efficient. Also a good foul shooter, and that is something where if you're an NBA GM, a scout, they actually they take a lot of stock into, can this guy shoot reliably and consistently from beyond the three-point line? And then at the foul line, is he, is he a good one? And Jabari Smith shot 80%. So he... Uh, he has a sterling reputation. I mean, I talked with Bruce Pearl about him multiple times this past season, and I think Pearl has, has begun to echo this talking point that he shared with me back in the middle of the season. But he, he said Jabari Smith is the first player that he ever coached in college where he felt like he was he was like in the presence of a guy who would go on and be a multi-time all-star in the NBA and like a surefire, sure thing, super mature. Um, also a guy that, although he's not, like, I understand a lot of people might start to know about Jabari Smith now because he had a nasty dunk in the tournament. 
Auburn was, you know, a two seed, although they didn't make a super deep run. They're not super familiar with them they, the way they are with Bancaro or they are Chet Holmgren or maybe even Jaden Ivey. But, you know, in his interviews and, and, you know, at least, you know, in terms of his reputation, Jabari Smith is like the guy everyone in the locker room loves, great teammate, super fun to be around, really amazing personality, kind of passes every every background check you could possibly imagine. And, yeah, if you could build an, uh, a modern NBA player in a lab, you'd want someone like Jabari Smith. Super hmm. long, very athletic, defensively capable, can shoot the three, and it's because of so many of those attributes that he's put himself in a position to go number one tonight. Matt Norlander is joining us. All right, Matt, so let's go back to Van Carroll for a minute. You've made the point that he is the most NBA-ready player in this draft. So did, having said what you just said, and I heard that, but does he have the highest ceiling in the draft or is he the safest pick in the draft? I think he's, I think he's the safest he's the best combination of safest pick and proven commodity at this point. Uh, he doesn't have the highest ceiling. Chad Holmgren has the highest ceiling because Holmgren being seven feet can bring the ball up, shoot from beyond the arc. There's a lot of attributes there. We can get to that in a second. If you want, I, I was around Holmgren. Plenty. I was around Van Caro. I mean, I was, I was on the, uh, the coach K farewell tour for the, for the final quarter of Duke season there. And so I saw Van Caro in person early on. And then at, at the end of the season and, no one has his combination of skills. I mean, Bancaro, you can play an offense through him, or he can be a facilitator. He is, an, he is a great, not a good, he is a great distributor, has really good vision, very good passer. He can play the post, he's, but he's also capable of, of, of bringing the ball up the floor or taking it off the screen, creating off the bounce. And he has, he has something where if you watch Duke and Bancaro play a lot this season, he can score – with brute force just as much as he can with delicate touch in a way that not really anyone else has. And I keep going back to the fact that Van Caro, you know, I saw him play as a 16-year-old in Colorado Springs sitting there with college coaches, you know, three summers ago, and he was the best guy in the gym then. And, you know, Chet has been on a steady rise. I get that. But Van Caro has never not been, you know, the guy, the best guy, the second best guy in his given class in a given year in, the, in whatever sport, you know, high school, prep, college, it's always been him. So I keep going back to that. I think he's ready for it. And uh, if he does fall to three tonight to Houston, the Rockets are in this amazing spot because they, they, they aren't given the, uh, the, the paralyzation of choice. You know, they'll take whoever's there and, and leave it to Orlando's going to take Jabari. And if Oklahoma City is indeed going to take Chet Holmgren, then you get Bancaro at three. It's about as good of a value as a, for a top three pick as I can remember in recent years. Matt Norlander getting us ready for the NBA draft. All right, so what about Chet? This is the most unique player in the draft. As you wrote a few months back, Matt, we've never seen anybody like this in the game before. Knowing all of that, how challenging is he for front offices to evaluate? He is challenging. Uh, yes, he is the definition of unique. There is no, there is no comparison. He's not. Kristaps Porzingis is not an analog. Kevin Durant is not an A to A. You know, you name the player. There's never been someone this tall, this skinny, with his skill, who also is that good defensively and and uh, kind of a a space eraser, shot blocker. He's fascinating. But yes, I did have, I, you know, I had someone in a front office tell me in the middle of last season he scares the bleep out of me. And the reason for that is. And this, I found this interesting. Two different NBA people um, who, as far as I know, really don't know each other that well, they, they both brought this up to me uh, at separate points during the season, one during the season and one uh, in the past couple of weeks here. But the talk with Zion Williamson going into that draft, there was never any doubt he was going to go one. But the one thing you could attach to Zion Williamson that would have given you any pause is, how will he keep the weight off, or how will he play with that weight, and will he avoid injury because of it? We have seen what's happened. Zion Williamson's about to get paid anyway, but to this point, John Morant has been the more reliable and dependable NBA player. We'll see what happens here in the second contract for Zion. With Chet, there's some of that. He's never been hurt, but he, because he's not even 200 pounds, are we going to look up in two, three, four years? And he's just played off the floor because he doesn't have the strength. I was there in San Francisco, Jim, when Gonzaga got knocked out of the tournament by Arkansas, and a couple of fouls, a couple of those fouls that, that you know took him out of the game, I thought you know weren't the greatest calls by that officiating crew. But regardless, you know that was a high-level, very important big stage game. Chet Holmgren could not stay on the floor it, just because he's never been hurt before. Are we going to see? 
that his body type, that body structure against NBA big men, 82 nights a year, not 33 games or 40 games in a season, 82 games in a season, will he be able to sustain that? That's why there is some hesitation, and it's why, you know, I just rank him third long-term because I got to see it. That's all. Like, he's super dedicated. The profile you're so generous to, to mention, Jim, like, I, I don't believe there's a player in this draft who is more obsessed with basketball and absolutely dedicated to being coached than Holmgren. I think that's an important thing to know as well. Like, he wants, he wants no platitudes. He, he wants none of your compliments. He doesn't want to hear any of that stuff. He wants to live in a gym. It got to the point, Mark, you told me, where they had to, like, seriously go to him and be like, no, Chet, you don't understand. We're not allowing you – back in the gym right now you have to give your body rest and he would still try and find ways around it go to an assistant be like man just come get some shots up with me like that's a good thing but at the same time he's still got to learn to do what you want to do there's a certain science to developing your body and not overdoing it there and because of that it's why you know front offices are really taken with him but there's still hesitation and i get it like i get the jokes are going to be flying because of, of how he looks but he's an awesome competitor and i will be fascinated to see how his career goes from here because again never seen a guy like him it's so true i mean anybody who knows the guy would never ever ever question his dedication his passion his love of the game it always comes back to his physique all right matt before you go a few months back we talked about the buzz that the guster for lovers sticker on your laptop caused during the final four the excitement has now turned into you and your lapper joining the band on stage in august this is still a thing break it down how did this all come together <laughs> really okay uh, yeah. Okay. So that is, uh, in August Guster, which is an incredible band out of Boston, been around for like 30 years now. Real ones. No, um, my, uh, my laptop sticker wound up being prominently displayed behind Mike Krzyzewski at the final four. And then I happen to know the guys. Uh, so they're going to play a show in Maine later this summer and they've been insistent and kind enough to, uh, take this viral moment and make sure that, uh, that they capitalize on it. Although I will say this, you want to know the, the power of the viral moment. They did happen to share with me that, uh, that their streaming service consumption rate, however you want to define that, was up like 35% because of what happened at the Final Four, which is hilarious. But, yes, the Guster is for Lovers sticker will be on stage in Maine. Shout to Dave Whelan. We might be trying to make that uh, an appearance happen there in August. Uh, I don't yeah. know if you can pull that or not, but, but I got I to gotta drop. I got to drop a Whelan reference here for the hardcores. And, uh, yeah, no, for they the are. For the real ones. Uh, for the real ones. For the real ones. So, yes, they are. Uh, that is that is still on the uh, on the docket for later this summer, and yes, that was quite the experience at the at the Final Four. Mike Shashevsky, it's you know, it's just a hilarious to look back and knowing that the last game of Mike Shashevsky's career, the statesman of the game, maybe the greatest men's college basketball coach in history, and for half of that broadcast, as he's got his steely look, you know, trying to burn a hole. And in in his defense on the other side of the floor, you've got this goofball with a Gusterous for Lover sticker just right behind him. It's just, it's an image for the ages, Jim. It's the best, the absolute best. He is a senior writer and college basketball analyst for CBS Sports, co-host of CBS Sports Eye on College Basketball podcast, and part of CBS Sports HQ special draft coverage all night long, getting underway at 6 p.m. Eastern. He is all over it. Matt Norlander, my guest, and a good friend of the program. Matt, great job. Appreciate it. Have a great night, and we'll do it again soon. Jim, thank you. Good luck on the smack off. And I absolutely did not do what Stephen H. Town recommended and tweeted at me to say on my hit. So uh, you're welcome for that. And good luck tomorrow. Hey, listen, I understand that investing can be really confusing, especially right now when people start throwing around terms like meme stocks, altcoin and shilling. With all that jargon flying around, it can be hard to figure out exactly how or where to start investing. Getting your money right is easier with SoFi. It's the first investing platform to offer stocks, ETFs, automated investing, and cryptocurrency too, all in one single app. So whether you're eager to get started with investing or you already know the ropes and you want to diversify your portfolio, SoFi has your back. No commissions on trading stocks and ETFs, plus no account fees or hidden fees. Use fractional shares that start as low as $5 to buy brand name stocks, even if you don't have a couple of grand lying around. And complimentary financial planners are ready to help you with any questions, whether you're stuck on where to start or you need help deciding what to do next. What I'm saying to you is, 
Cut through all the jargon. Make investing easier with SoFi. Visit SoFi.com slash Rome and learn how you can win up to $1,000 in stock when you open up an account. That's SOFI.com slash R-O-M-E. Brokerage and active investing products offered through SoFi Securities, LLC, member FINRA, SIPC. All investments involve risk, including the loss of principal. Past performance does not guarantee future results or future performance. Kevin Herter is my guest. Kevin, it's good to have you on. How are you? Hey, Jim, how are you doing? The uh, NBA vet, that has a nice full ring to it. Four years in, time has uh, gone by really fast. Yeah, it's so funny you say that, Kevin. I was going to say, man, it's amazing. Already a four-year NBA vet. So tonight is the NBA draft, and time is moving quickly. Why don't you take me back? What do you remember about that morning and the early afternoon of the draft in 2018? Were you nervous? Were you hyped? Or was it something else? What was that day like for you? Oh, it was it was a mixture of everything. It was mostly nerves. You know, for me, it was obviously your whole life is going to change on the basketball court, but it was it was where is your life going to take you? You know, you really had no control. Obviously, whatever team drafts you, you can end up on the West Coast, the East Coast. Uh, you truly have no idea where your life is about to go. And for me, that was the most nerve-wracking part is trying to get to a good city, a place I would enjoy, um, along with an organization I would enjoy. So, I mean, I remember that day like, like literally like it was yesterday. It felt like it was, I think, my anniversary of the four years since I got drafted was a couple of days ago. And I had a lot of people obviously sending me old videos and stuff, but... Uh, you know, a lot of kids' life are about to change tonight. It's going to be a great day. That's so well said. So you've established yourself in the league. You've had some monster playoff performances. You signed an extension with the Hawks. What was the transition from college to the NBA like for you personally? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a transition. Um, you know, you have to become a man pretty quickly. Uh, you know, you move, to a, you move to a new city. You no longer have roommates like you had in college. You no longer have all your teammates around that you can kind of lean on whenever you need to. You know, you're moving to a new city for the most part by yourself, and uh, you got to figure life out. And then obviously on the court, just the speed of the game of the NBA, the speed of the game, the size of the players, the athleticism of all the players is, is a big step up from college, just like college was a step up from high school. So it's all an adjustment. You know, it just takes you a little bit of time. Uh, you know, those, the, that first summer after you get drafted, it's, there's a lot going on. People are pulling you in a lot of different directions. And, uh, the NBA is pulling you in a lot of different directions, and all you're trying to do is, is get to a city and hoop. So, uh, you know, it was, there was just so much going on, but it was an exciting time. Kevin Herter joining us. Kevin, I think your basketball background is amazing. Your basketball family is absolutely incredible. But if we were to go back a little further, you're from Clifton Park, New York, north of Albany, and near Saratoga Springs. I want to get into the role that basketball played in your family because it's amazing to me. But outside the home, what was the basketball scene like there? Yeah, up in Clifton Park, I mean, there's, you know, there's obviously, there's, there's a lot of good players that come out of the area and not a lot of players that, that make it to the NBA. Uh, you're really the, the guy before me. I don't know if people remember Sam Perkins back in the day. He was oh. from a couple towns over from me. And then Jimmer Fredette was from about 40 minutes north of where I'm from. And really kind of the NBA history stops right there. You know, those are, those are mostly the guys and a couple of other guys have come close and not really been able to establish themselves. And, um, so I think Clifton Park, there's a lot of good players that come out and they go to college and, you know, they have great careers, but not a lot of them make it to the NBA. And so, you know, that's where I'm kind of getting out of my career. You know, now that I've established myself, you know, in the NBA, I've, I've signed my second contract. It's, uh, you know, obviously trying to put my roots down and get back to the community just because, you know, there hasn't been an NBA player come from where I'm from in a long time. Hey, Kevin, Sam Perkins was incredible. What do you remember about Jimmer, the hype surrounding Jimmer and Jimmer on the way up? When you were younger and you saw him, what do you remember thinking about him and his game? Just, I mean, Jimmer, he was unbelievable. It's funny, his, his final two colleges it came down to was BYU and then the local school, Siena College. And you know, my, my dad went to Siena. My brother actually ended up going and playing at Siena. So my family growing up was, was close to Siena College. And, you know, we obviously wanted Jimmer to go there and, you know, he went over to the West Coast, and I remember watching him on Versus. On, I don't even know if that TV channel still around. And uh, I mean, he took over the country. You know, it was obviously it was Jimmer Mania. He went off, and um, he had an unbelievable college career. It was just took over the completely took over the college scene. He was a superstar both nationally and locally where we were. And uh, you know, he's still obviously playing. Um, I think he's still over in China now. He had a little NBA career where um, you know bounce around a little bit from different teams, but. Yeah, he was a phenom coming up. Just the way he shot the ball, the way the, how easily he scored the ball, it was 
it was uh, it was great to see. It was amazing. Now, Kevin, long before you were with the Hawks, you and Trey Young were teammates at the FIBA Americas Under-18 Championship. What do you remember about that experience in that time? Yeah, that team was – I mean, you look back at the, the talent we had on that team, it was incredible. Uh, so that's, that's first and foremost what I remember. and uh, Just the team we were able to put together. And, and Trey and myself, we were coming off the bench. And so you know, that was the first time I had met Trey. And, uh, you know, we had a really good team. We beat everybody, as, as most USA teams do when they go to these international tournaments. We were beat teams by 40 and 50. And we went down to Valdivia, Chile, in the middle of the summer up here in the States, but it was the middle of the winter down there. Uh, definitely wasn't a vacation spot. We had a lot of Subway, a lot of McDonald's as a team. You know, the best thing to do there is you, you went to a dock and you watched sea lions go and you, you threw crackers at sea lions and there was a lot of stray dogs. It was, it was an eye-opening experience. It was really the first time I had left the States and experienced something different and you know, appreciated where the game of basketball could take you. And um, you know, That team was phenomenal. Our head coach at the time, you know, Shaka Smart, and you know, my, my college coach, Mark Turgeon, was one of our assistants. And you know, people could go back and look, you know, Markel Fultz, Michael Porter, Trey, myself, Mo Bamba, P.J. Washington, Jared Allen, Joshua Kogi, just you know, the talent we had on that roster was, was immense. And you know, most guys are now still playing in the league. Incredible. So, Kevin, Trey has said that he is motivated by proving to people that he is the best. Is that your motivation as well? Do you derive motivation from that or something else? Like, what are the things that fuel you right now? Yeah, I'm not. I've, I've never been someone that really relies on external motivators. Um, you know, I think I have a lot to prove to myself and, and trying to make you know, my life better and um, you know, continue to prove myself you know, for myself. I think I think Trey's someone, he's had a he's had a little bit different, though. He's had a lot of haters uh, really throughout his career, even back into high school, you know, being one of the top five players in his class from a really young age. And you'll know, probably not looking the same as the other top five players. He'll be in one of the smaller guys and, and having to do it a lot differently. There was a lot of people that doubted him and uh, told him he couldn't do it along the way. And I think that's something for him that he's always had a chip on his shoulder. And he's always trying to tr- prove people wrong, proving people that he's the best player on the court. And I think people truly saw that come out in that, that Knicks series two years ago. And, um, and obviously the rest of that playoff run we were able to have. And uh, you see we play on national TV. He's a showman. But he, he puts on a show out there. Um, you know, he's always trying to prove people wrong. He's, he's someone that kind of feeds off that. You, you know, we call it a locker room where, like, you don't poke the bear and, and trade the bear that you try not to poke. And, um, you know, a lot of teams do it. And, you know, for the most part, it doesn't work out for him. But you know, he's been great to play with just – his talent level and the way he can take over games and, and to be on his team for the first four years of our career has been awesome. Kevin, the business itself, I understand this is out of your control, but the draft is tonight. The offseason is underway. There have been rumors of trades involving your teammate, John Collins. Again, it's a business, and you may tell me it's above your pay grid. I, I know all those things, but it, what's it like when you have rumors and reports like that and they're out there? Like, What is that like? Yeah, it's tough. You know, obviously it's tough. Um, it's just the business of the NBA, like you talked about. You know, players all over social media are throwing in the trades all the time. And you know, John has been one of my best friends since coming to Atlanta. John is from an unbelievable, unbelievable family, a military background, and just truly a great guy. And um, has been great for the city of Atlanta. And so, that's you know, the part you kind of got to get over. Obviously, our front office organization is trying to win, and they want to put together a team that they can feel can do that at the highest level. And um, you know, as players, you know, our job is just go out there and play whatever team we're on. So it's tough. You know, John, if, you know, we'll see what happens with him and really everybody else on our team, what happens, whatever roster we go into next year with. But, um, you know, for me, I know I'm just trying to get through the day and hopefully our roster still intact. There you go. Kevin, I mentioned your family is an amazing basketball family. In fact, you and your siblings are hosting the Herder Basketball Camp. It is July 11th through the 15th, and then also August 1 through the 5th at Half Moon, New York, in Half Moon. I know you all went to numerous camps growing up. So what, how important is this, and how much are you looking forward to hosting these camps and sharing that experience with young players? It's extremely important. You know, to be honest, these camps are something that I've wanted to do for the past couple of years and haven't been able to because of COVID. And you know, we knew we, we couldn't put together the camp that we envisioned for a couple of years now. We knew we couldn't do it for the last couple of years. And so this summer, you know, everything we've, we've wanted to do is finally coming together. You know, we have a new facility that you know, I'm a part of and help build up in Half Moon Impact Athletic Center that we're hosting it at. Um, and like you said, most, most players, as they're growing up, they go to different camps all throughout their childhood, whether that's you know, going to their local colleges or 
um, different programs or high schools. Everybody, I think, can look back and point to a camp and, and share the memories they had at that. I know I can. and I'm just trying to have that be my camp moving forward. Um, they'll be able to, to obviously develop the next the next generation of players. Uh, you know, we're doing two half-day sessions. The morning will be um, you know, really focused on developing younger kids and their fundamentals, and the afternoon will be a lot of high schoolers and middle schoolers and seeing them compete against each other and, and play a lot alive and, and playing against each other. I think just building that atmosphere and building something for years to come is something that I've wanted to do for a couple of years now and something that I'm looking forward to doing for years to come. I love that. Great, great cause. He's a guard for the Atlanta Hawks and, yes, a four-year NBA vet coming off a really good year. He was a Mr. Basketball and a Gatorade Player of the Year in New York. Kevin Herter, my guest. Kevin, great conversation. Really easy guy to talk to. Appreciate you. Have a great time with that, and I hope we can do it again soon. Me too. really appreciate you having me on. Good times. Kevin, thank you very much. Are you craving some protein after a good workout? Do not make a shake or eat a bar. Instead, grab a bag of beef jerky from Old Trapper. Why Old Trapper? Because Old Trapper beef jerky is tasty and tender, and it's made with real strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a wood fire. Old Trapper is a family-owned business that takes smoked beef extremely seriously, and you can taste it in every single bite. I mean, who wants dried-out, tough beef in a bag? No one. It's like eating a shoe. Old Trapper is the real deal, and it comes in four amazing flavors. Old Fashioned is sweetened with a touch of brown sugar goodness, teriyaki, peppered, and hot and spicy for those of you who like to take things up a notch. Next time you want a great protein and energy snack that you can have anytime, anywhere, grab some Old Trapper beef jerky. Look for Old Trapper in the Clearview bag. That way you can see the quality you're buying. Look for it in major retail stores near you. If you don't see it, ask for it by name because no other jerky compares Old Trapper Witcher beef. We go to Southfield. Jeff in Southfield with the official RSVP. Jeff, what's up? Thank you for the vine, Jim. Jim, before I start my call, I'd like to say a couple nice words about Adam Hawk. Jim, I don't remember what year tattoos went from being the badge of rebellion to being the badge of phony, poser, soft, wussy, wannabe rebels. But it was definitely before Hawk got his. Hawk, you make a living selling golf course clothing and apparel. How the hell does that make you a rebel? Hawk, at the end of a Steve McQueen movie, when he gives his enemy the middle finger and rides off into the sunset, he doesn't ride off in a golf cart. Hawk, you're not a rebel. You're a confused idiot. Speaking of confused idiots, hey, Taco Bell. Are you really wrapping a tortilla around some Fritos and Doritos and calling that a sandwich? Listen, Taco Bell, once you start serving snack chips as an entree, you stop being a restaurant and you start being a 7-Eleven. What's next? You're going to start selling liquor and porn? Hey, America, there's a new sandwich at Taco Bell. We take a porno mag, fold it like a tortilla, wrap it around some cheap liquor, and call it the... Porn Lupa, you got to provide your own sauce. Last thing, Jim, Brad and Corona went on one of those shows, your listeners host, where they talk about your show. I don't remember which loser show it was, but on that show, Brad said his 10-year-old son already reminds him of his old man because his kid strikes, when his kid strikes out someone in Little League games, he taunts the batter as he walks back to the dugout. Really, Brad? You mean just like his old man? Your son is already so painfully aware of how tiny his junk is, he has to compensate by being a bully? I guess the apple doesn't fall far from the tree when the branch it's on is just a little nub. Jim, in most families, it's a tradition for the father to hand his little league glove down to his son. But in Brad's family, they hand down their protective cup. Which one are you giving the boy, Brad? The bottle cap or the peanut shell? That'll wrap it, Jim. Ah. That's not a good call. No. Alvy, why did you, you do that? Like that I don't like that v- Very clearly, I was going to let it go if I let the first four go. I was like, dude. If it, notice this time. This time he's not talking to me in drops. This time Alvin's like pushing the button. Dude, it's too many, dude. <laughs> too many, dude. I can't have that. Yeah. Yeah, probably we should have stopped him at, quote, sauce. Don't hashtag that. Hey, listen. Sean in Wichita. Sean, dude, good luck. What's up? Rome. 
I've been on this watch list, you know, for a couple of weeks now, and believe me, I have been watching. I see we have guys giving an RSVP to a party they're not even invited to. No offense, Ray and SA. Uh, then we have Dan in Denver just begging for anybody to take a run at him. Um, Rick and Buffalo, Mark in Hollywood, Jeff in Southfield, somebody, anybody, just say my name. Dan, that must be like going to the novelty store, picking up one of those double-sided dongas, taking it home, and only <laughs> having nobody to duel it out with. Ah, and now you're no. off the watch list, dude. What did I, I just like say? I don't like that call. What did I just say? Not a very good call. Now, I intro that call by saying, here's a guy on the watch list bidding to jump off the watch list. Well, you're off the watch list now. What did I just say? Sean in Wichita. Sean, dude, good luck. What's up? Rome, I've been on this watch list, you know, for a couple weeks now, and believe me, I have been watching. I see we have guys giving an RSVP to a party they're not even invited to. No offense, Ray and S.A., uh, then we have Dan in Denver just begging for anybody to take a run at him. Um, Rick and Buffalo, Mark and Hollywood, Jeff and Southfield, somebody, anybody, just say my name. Dan, that must be like going to the novelty store, picking up one of those double-sided dongas, taking it home, and only <laughs> having nobody to duel it out with. Just- ah, and now you're off no. the watch list, dude. What did I, I just like say? I don't like that call. What did I just say? Not a very good call. Now, I intro that call by saying, here's a guy on the watch list bidding to jump off the watch list. Well, you're off the watch list now. What did I just say? Brad and Corona. Bradley, what's up? Romy, how you doing, baby? Good, champ. How are you? I'm good. Hey, nice to see Mark pulling a parody Larry and not doing the thing that everyone wants him to do, uh, trying to just break down other stuff for us. We want you to sing, Mark. That's about it. Um, Rome, it was nice to see Jeff and Southfield come in here once in the past year today and squeeze out the shakiest, wobbliest rep I've ever heard. Jeff, there was no weight on that bar today, son. You're going to have a tough time tomorrow if that's how you're handling today. Adam Hawk has been gone a year, dude. Not that timely to call in and smack on him. And by the way, if you're that interested in Adam, I could probably arrange a meeting between you and his brother, Mike Hawk. Sounds like you'd absolutely take that meeting, seeing as how you spent the rest of your phone call talking about the size of my 10-year-old son's penis. Jim, I never thought I'd... That's not a good call. No. You don't like that call. I don't like that call. Not a very good call. Bradley, Bradley, Bradley. Trade pros. Whether you specialize in service or new construction, Ferguson knows firsthand how much work goes into a long day on the job, which is why we're committed to offering the products and solutions to get every job done right. With over a 1,000 locations, an unmatched selection of specialty products, tools, and supplies, our pro pickup and Samer next day delivery, you can trust that doing business with Ferguson will be the easiest part of your hard day's work. Visit ferguson.com to find a counter location near you. The head's going to work the event tomorrow, I think, so he and I will not be on the air tomorrow, so I thought I would check in with him right now. Head, what's cracking? How are you living, and importantly, are you going to make your annual pilgrimage to the studio tomorrow to be a part of this here smack-off? Hell freaking yes, I am, Jim. Bags are packed. I'm ready to go. I'm heading to the airport the second this show is over, so I'm doing great. Dude, you sound to me like you're pretty hyped. Oh, dude. It's dong day, smack-off eve. I cannot wait to get on that damn plane. All right, so great. Love to hear that. Love to have you here. And you... Wait, you do do other things for us, right, other than your gambling thing on Friday? The hell do you do for us anyway, dude? It's a good question. I could lie to you and make something up right now, but um, I honestly do not know. Um, but I'll be there tomorrow. I mean, I ran the board last week, so that's something. Yeah, that, that is something. That is something. Listen, as I mentioned, we can't handicap this thing, and we can't break this thing down, and I'm not going to ask you to do that, but let me get your reaction. Well, let me ask you this. How many smack-off events have you been a part of, either in or out of the studio, as part of this company? This will be number 12, actually. started with uh, you in 2010, so I've listened since the late 90s. Probably uh, 2002 was the first one I really, really remember when Jeff and Richmond won that thing, polarizing. 
So 12 to work, though. 12 to work. All right, 12 to work, mm-hmm. and you go back and you remember as a listener, Jeff and Richmond. Oh, boy. Even back in the 90s. Hey, did mm-hmm. you see that picture of me and Muhammad Ali and Dadonis? <laughs> I was waiting for the clones to pick up on Dadonis. Uh, uh, he well, whatever. Dadonis. Yeah, Dana White calls him is better. So, yes, I did. Great picture. Late 90s, I believe. I think so. Hey, listen, yep. really quickly, what is your reaction? You've heard this. Well, you, you can't handicap it. But Brad, as an outlier, what in your mind separates him from the pack? Is it the smack? Is it how quick he is on his feet? Is it how dangerous he is? When you look at his game, what stands out to you? Well, obviously, he's got the liners. He's got the sound. He is very, very good at understanding what's going on and calling things out. He just nailed Mark example right there. Mark in El Paso. Hammered him for being parody Larry. Dude, get to what you're supposed to be there for. And then Jeff and Southfield, it looked a little rusty there, and Brad was right on top of it, and he could just think on his feet faster than a lot of people, probably everyone. No doubt about that. The big head is joining me right now. Let's see. Soprah's in. My students graduate today, but tomorrow is the last day of school. Tomorrow's curriculum, hashtag smack off. Is that an RSVP, or does that mean you're at school? Yeah. His substitute Bruh. kids? Are Dude, it sounds like that he's playing the smack off for his kids in the class. So Silk won't be in attendance. Okay. Do you, still, right, want, uh, do you still want to work if the bra's not coming? Uh, maybe we can get fake Silk in here tomorrow. Yeah, the clones would like that better anyway, right? Yeah, they would, actually. <laughs> All right, so let me ask you this. It's a big number. Come on. You, you, come on. Come you on. mentioned that you've done 12 of these things. Uh, as somebody who is in the industry, and not only that, but tracks all the comings and goings in the industry. Uh-huh. I don't want to point this out myself since I'm myself. Dude, 28 is a crazy number. Crazy. What do you think about that number? Well, it's a crazy number, but it's 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 the biggest event in the history of all radio. I mean, no jokes aside, any genre, new sports, whatever. This is so unique, and it cannot be replicated. These are the best callers in the history of not just your program, Jim, but of all radio, and it's not even close. In the 28 years that you're saying – yeah, annuals usually last like four or five years usually, and then they peter the hell out. We're at 28, going strong as ever. It ne- never, ever fails. The electricity starts flowing the second Alvin hits the Alan Parsons Project song, and oh my gosh, it's on. It, I, I think it is even more this year than ever before for some freaking weird reason, too. Dude, <laughs> Sorry. Did, did you just say that when he hits the Alan Parsons song? Alan Parsons Project song to start the show, the Chicago Bull song. When he hammers that thing going, it just, dude, it just start pumping. If I'm not mistaken, and Serious, maybe right? maybe it's me, I could have swore we go with one of my favorite anthems, Bob O'Reilly from The Who. Do we go with that or do we go with this, Alvin, at the top? That. Th- does that, yeah, right. No. Does that does that sound my like bad. Alan Parsons Project <laughs> idiot? <laughs> I was I can on the wrong you, Chicago I can see where you confuse yeah. those two. You know, yeah, I dude, do me a everything. favor. Don't go to the airport. No, excuse me, my bad. <laughs> oh, oh there, there's nothing like it, Jim. When Alvin hits that Alan Parsons project, I got the wrong dude, sign my giant the right head vibe. explodes. Yeah. <laughs> Winthrop can't believe you just made that mistake. Nah, it's on par. Oh, no, that's not on par, dude. Even bo- that, that's Sad. way below. That's way over par for you. <laughs> Alan Parsons project? What show are you listening to? I don't know. I, I confused them. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah <laughs> yes, you did. <laughs> wow, dude. Hopefully you're on your game tomorrow because you're not right now. That is a mistake you cannot make. Okay. Given that you've heard all of them and you know it so well and you just hyped it as the greatest event ever. And my favorite part about the greatest event ever is when Alan Parsons comes on. I'm, I'm horrible with music, so there you go. That's dude, an example right there. Dude, you're horrible with most things except the numbers, dude. You're good with the numbers. You are... Clearly, those 12 years, you showed up 12 minutes late or the first hour you missed. I know you didn't hear the open for those 12 years. I, I always, I always, I always hit the open, man. You never, you never, you never hit the open, man. How do you miss Bob O'Reilly? That's one of the best parts of the Smack Off. I get chills every time I hear that song. Not you. You hear Alan Parsons' project. They must do a rendition or something. I, I'm telling you, they do a rendition Keep or something. Keep digging, dude. It. Keep yeah. digging. Keep digging. Keep digging. It's incredible. Does that sound like this to you? I don't don't even think so. I don't. Yeah, no. Yeah, no. 
All right, so I'd ask you another question, but I don't want to make it any worse. Mm-hmm. Is there anything? In fact, I'm not going to ask you anything else, Ed. Why? Get your ass on. Did you say why? <laughs> yeah, I'm ready for this. I love this smack yeah, off. Yeah, I can tell you're ready for this. You love the smack off. All right, so is there any? Is there anything? And don't color the competition or is there anything that you can say that you're looking forward to other than the event itself do you have any other thoughts about tomorrow that's not alan parsons project related well because he's got nothing to do with it yeah you're you're still caught up on that we can move on from that but i do have some social media (laughs) thoughts everybody okay there there we go there (laughs) we go social media i meant to ask you about that i love how you tell you're telling me we can you know what head we'll move on from that when i'm good and ready to move on from that which is never which is never but the the social media aspect you are good at that you you were tracking analytics Mm -hmm. and metrics and social media long before it became in vogue to do so What's a normal day look like generally in terms of social media? And then how different is the smack off? And what do you expect tomorrow to be like from that standpoint? So the audience is always great on social. We get a reaction to every single show. But this is obviously different because it's so polarized. And so many people want to give us their thoughts on who is the best. And the back and forth is great. Um, They have followers themselves. It's like tenfold tomorrow. We'll trend all over the place. Everybody, make sure you hashtag Smackoff for us. Just hashtag Smackoff for us. But we'll be trending all over. It's usually tenfold on what we usually put up there every day. Stucknut's in. I love how you're getting reaction. You're still on the air. Stucknut writes, I love how Alan Parsons belts out the yeah on Baba O'Reilly. <laughs> Do you have that, Alvin? No, not that. He, Alan Parsons, Roger Daltrey, whatever. Same dude. It's all the same. It's all the same. That's great. All right, so social media is going to be a really big thing. Speaking of stuck nuts, since he just went in on you, what do you make, and be careful how you do this, but mm-hmm. what do you make of the way he handicapped the field and the unofficial odds? Yeah, whether it's him or Pool Doc, I did look at them. They did a pretty good job with uh, considering past achievements and current mood, I think, of the jungle. I, uh, I mean, Brad alone on being the favorite at plus 200 is kind of smart because if you wanted to use hedge strategies, it, that's, you can't really do it there. So I do credit them there. But <coughs> as Stucknut always, there's a couple little middle fingers, I think, that he probably put in the odds. Like Mikey De La Creme at plus 1,200, um, the 13th, 14th choice. And I know Mikey didn't show up last year, but, you know, Stucknut doing Stucknut type things. All right, so in other words, Stucknut's got an agenda where we do not. These guys are funny. Mike D for three, quote, I love when you play the final countdown by Europe to kick off the smack off every year. And he has started smack off. Oh. Hey, hey, don't ever change. I know you won't. That's the best I part. I won't. Yeah. Right. And hey. I don't have to handicap music, so it's all good. I love, I love you telling me, you know, we can just move on now. Jim, anytime you're ready. Thanks, Head. Thanks for that. I'll keep that in mind. We're never moving on from that mistake. Win- Winthrop thinks that that was unbelievable. Winthrop. Right. Is there anything else before I cut you loose and put you on that airplane to get your ass out here? Are you good? I'm good, man. I'm ready to go. I'm, I'm amped. I'm ready to go. This is going to be the best one to date. I promise that. All right, Head. Can't wait to see you, man. Get out here. All right, Jim. Thanks. Good job, dude. That was incredible. And if you think that we plan that type of thing, if you think that's all part of the act or part of the show, you are so wrong. Man, thank goodness it's not. I'm so fired up, man, when the Alan Parsons Project comes on. I know it's go time. That was so great. Oh, no. Head, that was amazing. Don't get me wrong, dude. I'm really glad you made that mistake. It made it so much better. When you go big head like that, that, don't think that we sit around and spitball and that I say, hey, head, you know what? You know how we kind of clown you for jacking things up like you're this, this savant, like you're this brilliant guy, but you're not that educated or literate, but you're brilliant? You're like Rain Man in a way. Here's what we should do. Let's have you butcher The Who and go with Alan Parsons' project. Yeah, yeah, that'll be funny. That'll be funny. We don't do stuff like that. I just wanted to bring him in and get his thoughts. And notice we were really careful. I want to be very careful. I was kind of talking in a very vague, general way because I want you all to understand that we really are objective. We have no 
preconceived notions. We have no biases. We have no prejudices. We don't care who wins. We don't care who wins. I can't make this clear enough. We do not care who wins. All I care is do we have a great show. So, no, we don't plan that stuff. That's just a big head doing the big head. However, 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 things change. Things escalate quickly when we start bumping Eye of the Tiger to start the show. Then all hell breaks loose. Don't you all get chills when that happens? Nothing sets the table or the tone like Survivor. Bob O'Reilly is synonymous with the start of that show. It is one of the all-time great rock anthems. It is one of my all-time favorite songs. You've heard me say a million times to people I care about, their opinions I care about in rock, the Stones or the Who. And everybody always says the Stones. And I always say the Who. And I love the Stones. So him coming in here and slandering the Who with the Alan Parsons project was so big head of him. Now, in fairness to the head, and he'd argue this point, hey, hey, man, I work for you, not Rolling Stone magazine. Well, then just keep away from music then, dude. Don't talk about things you know nothing about. And you obviously know nothing about that if you're coming in here and throwing around the Alan Parsons project. And, and again, it was in the context of, I'm so hyped, I'm so hyped, this is incredible, I can't wait to get there. It's the biggest event in the history of radio, not just sports talk radio. These aren't just the best callers in sports talk, they're the best callers in any radio genre of all. Man, man, Alan Parsons! That was so great. And then the head, the head's like, what? What? Can we move on? You gonna keep beating this horse into the ground? Yes. Head. 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 I'll, I'll tell you what, head. You know how I know your head and my head will both explode at the exact same time simultaneously tomorrow when you're on the other side of the glass? When I roll in here at 9 o'clock, probably 8.59, and I hear Alvin drop living on a prayer. It's only happened 27 times. It only happens once a year. All right, head. You can't get here fast enough, and neither can 901 tomorrow. Hit me up, 1-800-636-8686. We had the BIC in. He got run. We had Jeff in Southfield in. He got run. We had Sean in Wichita trying to get off the watch list. He did. He got run. As smack-off eaves go, we had the big head in. He tried to tell us he gets hyped when he hears the Alan Parsons project. I don't know, dude. Every time we go to that show and Eddie Money drops in with Shaken, I just know it's go time. Anyway, he is a three-time winner. I said today, earlier, he came in sixth last year. Kind of shocking for him. I'm looking for a big bounce back tomorrow. He's been there before. Three times, in fact, left in Laguna. The Laguna Beach Bully. Left, what's up? Hey, Jimmy, how you doing? Good, dude. How are you? I'm good. I didn't, I didn't know it was Dong Day. I was just calling to say uh, happy smack off Eve. So. Um, listen, I, I haven't heard anything from Cruz Pedregon this year about the smack-off winner, you know, going on his car or whatever. Uh, but, Jim, I did notice that his manager's name is Caleb Cox. Yeah, who's the crew chief over there? Dixie Normus? Ah! No. You don't like that call. I don't like that call. Okay. Not a very good call. Okay. First of all, Chalk, you are the gatekeeper. You let them through. I guarantee if it's my ass, you're going in a body bag. You will go first. Keep that in mind. Number two, fellas, fellas, 
This is not some juvenile podcast where you can do things like that. Bunch of fifth graders congregating on a podcast where anything and everything goes. Know your room. Know your room. There's still the bright lights. There's still TV cameras. CBS is slant. Look at the, look at the iconic logo over there. The I. C B S. The Tiffany of sports. There's a reputation to uphold. I've been here like a decade. I'd like to stay a little longer. Guys. Now you're done. Left. Now I'm done. Do better tomorrow. Be better. Listen, y'all, don't put me in a bad spot. You know what's going to happen? One of these guys that are kind of on the periphery, around the top 10, are going to come in here and they're just going to win. It's going to be a war of attrition because you're all going to get run. Or maybe you're having your fun the day before and you're going to be a lot more tactical. I hope. I hope. I'm going to say this one more time. Junk references. Like that, like Brad's, like Lefts, like any of that will get your ass run tomorrow. Don't do it. I'm being serious about this. This is not false indignation. And you know what's going to happen? If you do that, and then I know that it puts my livelihood in jeopardy, and I can't trust you, then you can't be a part of the thing going forward. Don't do that. You can do what you have to do without doing that. Let me say that one more time. You can do what you have to do to win and be a legend and be hardcore without doing that. Don't, 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 don't do that. Don't do that. Don't, don't, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't put me in that position. Don't, don't, don't do that. We're all hyped. We're all ready. Let's go to the phones. Philadelphia. Love that town. Zach in Philly. Zach, what's going on? Romy. Oh, my God, man. It is such an honor to be talking to you on the eve of the smack-off. And let me tell you something, man. Nothing gets me more fired up over here. 12.01 Eastern on smack-off day when Youth Gone Wild by Skid Row hits my radio waves and the smack-off starts, bro. The best feeling in the world. You're right, I Zach. Tell you, man. Go ahead. Um, no, you go ahead. So, sorry, sorry. I didn't mean to talk over you. Uh, I, I heard that, that Silk was tweeting, and I heard you guys saying that. And it's just kind of. I, I guess he's answering my question. This guy hasn't made it on the air in the smack off in like over two years. I thought that this guy was running on premium fuel after all the narc bra stuff was going down, and yet I still don't hear him calling in. I don't know if he's not getting through because he's over the hill. I don't know if he's not getting through because he's too scared to. to call in and say what he's got to say. But this is a former champ here, and I expected more from the guy, honestly. Well, you heard him. Like, what he said was, thank you very much, Zach. Yeah, I know you meant to hang up after your first blast. (laughs) I should have let you go and walk off on that. Silk said the curriculum tomorrow in the classroom is the smack off. He's teaching. Come on. on! He's working. And besides, most of you like the fake Silk better anyway. And that guy did hijack the smack off once. That was a real thing. Fake Silk was not just his faux caller or a fake caller. He got in the day of the smack off and had me for maybe one second. But then when he went with that, come on. I think we all know. I've got a pretty good idea. I've got a pretty good idea of who is going to show up tomorrow, but you never know exactly, exactly. There's always a surprise with a no-show and somebody who does show, and I expect both those things to happen tomorrow. You don't know until the day of. Let's go to Matt in L.A. Matt's been taking this all in. Matt, what's up, dude? Hey, Romy, I'll tell you one guy you don't have to worry about making that reference because uh, he takes food off of every table he's near. That's Jeff in Richmond. I tell you, man, that's that bastard. For as many wrestling references as he makes, he's more of a sumo wrestler. But that's not why I call Because Rhino and Sacktown are going to be hosting the biggest bash in jungle history. Right at Beauregard's estate, greater L.A. area. 
And, uh, hey, Mark in Hollywood, you know you're invited. We were able to secure you a plate of uh, fancy feast because you are Meow Mix Mark. So uh, there will be a nice one with one of those uh, walk. Yeah, you're obviously on the same blower that you were last year. Outro. Dude, you've got to get a new phone or a new carrier or find another place to make that phone call from. But you got to stop calling. You can't, again, stop putting me in bad spots. You can't come in here and go, hey, 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 Mark, we got a place for you. With your meow mix, meow mix mark, and then gaps, gaps in dead air. Back at it. Man, they're all coming in. I love it. There's heat. Is there any way this guy doesn't get run, given who came before him? He's as dangerous as any of the aforementioned. He's got a strap. I mentioned earlier he would badly like a second strap. Let's find out. He is the master of the RSVP call. He perfected it. Vic in NoCal, the 2010 champ. I love. They're all coming in. The BIC, Lef, and Vic all within the hour. Vic, what's going on? I am the master of the RSVP, Rome. Unlike these clowns coming in with their, you know, like Lef right now. Yeah, really mature Lef. Dude, you've got the maturity of a third grader, Draymond. Really mature with your Cruz Pedragon, Caleb Cox humor, man. I mean, what, did Max Johnson not win any of that? A lot of vagina from Austin Powers not win any of that? That's not a good call. No. You don't like that call. I don't like that call. You know how I was saying earlier, I can't get to 901 tomorrow quickly enough. I cannot get to 1157 today quickly enough. All right, you've all made your points, all right? Good night!